Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Race Free, Episode 5. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is about uh, issues facing the Black community. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about this today was is because um, to, in order to create tools for your family, uh, for you to be able to use, we need to be able to kind of analyze and see like what are the what are the issues that most Black folks are going to face out in the big wide world, and how do we combat that from the home? I know that in general, when we talk about when you search the media, you're looking on Facebook, you're seeing quotes and tweets and videos out there the kind of common overarching narrative is that um, racism and discrimination um, is just going to plague you at every turn. And so what hope do you have for your kids? Um, But of course, here at Live Race Free, we don't want to buy into that. We want to look at, take a more offensive position and lead with the ball in our court versus a defensive position of always looking behind our back. So, um, all right, so I'm going to start with a quote from um, someone who grew up raised by her grandparents and who really had her grand- grandfather in particular as a, as a role model in her life. Um, he taught her how to do everything, how to wire electric in a home, how to fix and repair things, how to solve problems that that showed up around them. And um, her grandfather grew up in the Jim Crow South and started working when he was five years old on a sharecropping farm, hanging out tobacco leaves to dry. And, uh, you know, had a whole lifetime of work, hard work, never making excuses. And in the end, he and his wife ended up buying land on the very same sharecropping farm that he grew up on and built their home. Um, that's a pretty powerful story, and that's a legacy of, um, of that's empowering. Um, but here's her quote. You know, she was the first person in her family to go to college, and after college, the, that golden ticket diploma didn't really carry the currency that the, – the, that, she thought it was supposed to, and she um, faced um, failure and had to figure out what was what gives. And uh, the quote is, "I could have dug deep into my history and declared myself a natural product of ancestral oppression. I could have played the black card and absor- absolved myself of all the responsibility for my own stupid decisions, but I didn't because it would have destroyed my grandfather's legacy." I'm proud that he had the fortitude to turn nothing into something. And I have no intention of reversing that something back into a nothing. My attitude comes with a price, however, because if you're born black and you don't accept your natural status as a victim, then the validity of your blackness is immediately called into question. Well, so be it. End of quote. I really love that attitude that uh, that that quote carries because I think we kind of need to, as a culture, um, develop, you know, kind of put in our, in our, um, it needs to kind of just be like a standing 
quality of our of our cultural response. Um, the reason why people are afraid to say things that seem to contradict the cultural narrative that I was talking about earlier, uh, that's kind of perpetuated in shows like, uh, drawing a blank. What is that show? I mean, it's kind of all over TV, but the one in particular is, um, blackish. Um, and you know, the music out there that talks about values that are, that don't help anyone, you know, that are talking about values of, uh, you know, drugs and drinking and things like that. Like that doesn't carry any currency in the culture that doesn't put food on your table. You know, that doesn't keep a marriage together. That doesn't teach people how to, you know, how to respect each other's ideas and, and et cetera. So, um, before I go on a big tangent, I love this attitude of, you know, well, your vil- the validity of your blackness is going to be called into question. People are going to wonder if you are, you know, trading your race for being a traitor to your race because you don't believe that racism, um, you know, is as strong or as powerful in your life or in other people's lives. And if you're not willing to admit it, then maybe you're not really black, you know, well, so be it. You know, if you, if, if in your mind, you got to have this, I love this thick skin idea, but what a great value to teach our kids. What a great value to teach that, you know, there's some things that are more, are more important in life than whether or not somebody else thinks that, that your ideas match with their idea of your skin color, which by the way, what is that? How do we define when someone judges you based on your skin color, judges what kinds of ideas you should be having? That's called racism. Okay. So when we go out there and say racism is white people or non-black people putting down black people, well, guess what, folks? Here's the hard truth. We put each other down when we're not willing to listen to ideas that contradict our um, uniformity of thought, our uniformity of thought about blackness equals X, Y, and Z. We're keeping each other enslaved figuratively, but also economically. And that's, that's what happened. So how does this translate to a tool and a resource for families? Well, I think the number one is, first of all, that fundamental foundational idea that, you know, um, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King talked about in his, I have a dream speech that, you know, if we want to be judged according to the content of our character rather than the color of our skin, then we really actually need to put some work and thought into the content of our character. And character formation starts at home. It's not the responsibility of school. It's not the responsibility of your pastor or your kid's Sunday school teacher. Um, It's the responsibility of a mother and a father at home. And, you know, coronavirus actually brings up a very, puts us in a very unique situation now because we get more FaceTime with our family members and kids than we have had in a long time. And, um, you know, the circumstances obviously are, are, are unfortunate um, and tragic in many people's lives. Um, but let's look at the silver lining. The silver lining of it is we are brought, we are being brought together. And, you know, I know this is not so lovely in some people's experiences because this is new. You know, I, um, I, can re- I can understand. Like, I'm a homeschool mom. So I've, I'm definitely probably more prepared for homesteading. Um, or what do you call it? Quarantining than um, than a two parent working household. You know, I totally understand that. But what a great opportunity to have more hours to look into your kids' eyes and speak into their hearts and and um, share your values. Um, so that's the underlying thing. Like, what values are important to share with your children? 
stop and take a minute and think like, are you, is the most important thing for you to prepare them for what you think the world is going to be? Or is it to instill in them the values that are timeless, transcendent, and and eternal, that have been true since the beginning of time and will continue to be true? That'll prepare them for any circumstance. The truth is we nobody knows the future. And you know, you have a much better um, chance of teaching truth and um, you have a much better chance of them succeeding in life if you are imparting to them those timeless values. Um, there are lessons that you learned as a kid um, that you learned along the way growing up that are going to be that, you know, dovetail into those timeless values. Those are very powerful things to share with your children. Um, okay, so... Okay. So the quote, by the way, was from Candace Owens. Candace Owens is, I think she works with Turning Point USA right now, but she basically goes around and talks to people about thinking freely. Um, and, um, you know, there's a lot of other things. I think she's kind of done some um, work with different organizations over the past few years, but she's got a great story. Um, she has been kind of spearheaded the Blexit movement, which has been, I think, really liberating for people um, who've had, you know, maybe more conservative ideas about, you know, like, I don't want to limit the prospects of my future to whether or not someone justly or unjustly um, gives me a promotion. You know, like I want to re recognize that I live in a free society and I can move up or move down or move across if I choose to. And, you know, the, the options, you know, I don't want to get into the details of every single of that particular necessarily situation necessarily, but um, maybe you'll save that for another episode for another day. But uh, recognizing the, the agency we have as free individuals, free Americans, like we do live in a society in a time of life where we have way more freedom than people have um, since over over the long history of the world. Um, okay, so I'm going to pivot a little bit on this subject of tools for families. Um, and while we're talking about the whole, um, you know, what kind of, how, how to teach your kids to believe and act as if they have agency in a free society, um, you know, you kind of have to boil down the figures. There's so many issues um, that we could talk about when it comes to facing what, what's facing the Black community. Um, and so I want to kind of bring up a few that, um, that are kind of overarching and, you know, push back and let me know what you think if there are other issues that, that you think are pretty glaring that I didn't cover. But, um, okay, so let's see. I think we'll start with the one that I talked about earlier, uniformity of thought. Um, if there's no room to talk honestly among Blacks, okay? So, yes, there, you know, it would be great if there's this wonderful national conversation between Blacks and whites to bring peace and all this lovely kumbaya stuff. But, like, that is that – is, that's secondary, I think, to Blacks having conversations among Blacks about what the situation really is and not, you know, obviously not uh, in a civil way. So, but um, having a uniformity of thought where everyone kind of, um, you know, you're not allowed to talk about uh, different perspectives, that's not going to allow the conversation to move forward. Um, 
uniformity of thought, I think, is kind of responsible for that, um, the shutdown of those conversations, the, um, the, one of the things you have is name calling, you know, you have people calling, calling names, like, you know, the ugly names of like, oh, you're an Oreo or a coconut or a coon or whatever. If you, um, don't, if you don't blame the white man or you don't blame racism or discrimination or, you know, high incarceration rates or any of the issues we could talk about. If you want to start with, well, what could I do or what could I have done in that situation to change it? Not saying that I'm not taking on guilt, you know, assuming, just saying, just asking the question, what could I have done in that situation does not necessarily mean that I'm assuming guilt. It means that I'm assuming responsibility for my own future, you know, regardless of what that other person's position or culpability is. That actually puts you in a position of power. And, you know, if we're always waiting for someone else to take responsibility, that puts you in a position of weakness. Um, so that takes us to another major, um, issue facing black community, which is this kind of victim mentality. Now this one, I think kind of has two, it has two parts. Um, I have lovely white friends that, and I really hate calling them white friends, just a disclaimer for all the people that know me. I love you no matter what color you are. And I typically don't go around talking about you as, you know, by describing your, you know, the melanin content of your skin before I go on and describe something. To me, that's just, it doesn't factor into the conversation, but obviously here I went ahead and did it. So, but for the, for the, for the context of this conversation, I think that the the context of victimology is a little bit different depending on your perspective or, or, uh, the angle you're coming at this conversation with. So obviously for, um, you know, we're talking about taking on this victim mentality, um, kind of, it was alluded to in, um, Candace's quote, you know, if you're black, you can, you can do that. You can easily just pick up the black card and say like, well, it's because of my history. It's because people look at me a certain way because of the history of the country. It's because of the assumptions people have, yada, 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 yada. And a lot of those things will be true. Um, on the flip side, if you're talking about the victim mentality regarding or speaking to the victim mentality from a perspective of someone who is, um, you know, not black, but they are empathetic, this is where I think it becomes dangerous because out of good intention. Okay. So obviously there are, you have the black leaders that will, you know, just ride that victimology horse because it is so lucrative. It is, it pays, man. You can get swarms of people to just agree with you and send money and, you know, retweet things and pass on. And then all of a sudden you have this viral idea and, um, and that underlying victimology, um, concept just goes, just goes wild. And then you, you know, you come against the, the, uniformity of thought if you have a different opinion or want to challenge the premise. Um, so that's where that thick skin comes in. But uh, the danger that I was talking about was if if someone very well-intentioned wants to try to even the scales by citing the, you know, using that victimology mentality of, well, they, you know, this black kid has a lesser advantage because their teacher's white and they're coming from a different perspective and we need to even out that balance by making a change. What they're really doing, what they're doing is they're making a change based on the only, the visual uh, 
making based on the skin color and they're not actually, and they're actually pandering. And so it's, it's actually with the effort, it's the motivation, the, the heart, the heart's in the right place, but the execution is actually extremely disadvantageous to the black kid. You know, I want my kids, I don't want anyone pandering to my kids. I don't want anyone making exceptions for their behavior because they perceive them to be disadvantaged. Okay. That to me is highly offensive. And I think that any, any parent out there probably completely understands what I'm talking about. You know, don't give us any handouts. <laughs> don't pander to, to us for any reason. Um, you know, we will figure out a way. And, um, um, so that, 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 that victimology thing kind of has two, is kind of has, uh, two different sides to it. And I think that's part of why it kind of sweeps around like wildfire because it assuages the guilt, the white guilt of anyone out there who just, you know, believes like, oh yes, you know, we, I'm at fault because I have white skin. And obviously in my history, I've been, my family or ancestors have been, you know, making all these wild assumptions, you know, the, the truth is we actually look at our black history or black, well, I, I should say American history. We look at our American history related to, um, you know, black political liberation. Um, we look at it in terms of skin color only when the truth of the matter is if you actually look back at the history from the lens, the political lens, you get a much more balanced picture and you see that it is not so purely black and white because there were so many white folks that were for abolition and, um, and there, and you can't necessarily just cite it just to skin color because that actually changes the story and that's not accurate. Um, you know, and there's another angle on that, 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 that is also true when it comes to what uh, Talib Starks calls urban terrorism, um, which still exists today. So I'm going to actually go ahead and pivot to that. I'm already over my normal time of 15 minutes for my podcast. So I think I will do a part two um, and come back next. So the very next thing I'm going to be talking about is how, um, you know, urban ter terrorism, what you can do and say and teach your kids about um, on that subject to help them to rise above the impact of that in our community. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.